Hey, welcome to Transform Your Workplace. It's your host, Brandon Laws. Today, I'm stepping aside for a bonus episode, and I've got my colleague, Lacey Partipillo, interviewing another colleague, Annie Oxenfeld, who's been on the podcast before. And they're talking about workplace flexibility and the importance of it. So I hope you enjoy today's bonus episode with a couple of my Zenium colleagues. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, Annie. Thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. Hi, it's great to be here. Awesome. So you and I were talking about some things that we're hearing from our clients and something that has been coming up a lot from yeah. clients and their employees is around workplace flexibility and, and what that looks like. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're hearing? What is workplace flexibility and why is this such an important topic? Yeah, so it's, it is a pretty broad topic, but it's coming up a lot from employees, from clients, businesses who are looking for ways to retain their employees. We're seeing everything from just a flexibility in a shift schedule, so people who really need to be present at the work site. There's ways to incorporate flexibility there, but it could go all the way to things like fully remote work or even a four-day work week that we can talk a little bit more about. But there's all kinds of ways to introduce more flexibility into the workplace. That's awesome. I know there are employers who get a little uncomfortable when we start talking yes. about flexibility in the workplace. Can you share a little bit about some of those maybe common misconceptions or concerns that they have about implementing these flexible work arrangements? Yeah, so I'd say the one that I hear the most, it's just productivity concerns around if we're being more flexible, if we have less visibility to how our people are getting the work done, is it going to actually get done? Also hear concerns around logistics, like how does this actually work? How is this going to impact just that unknown factor? Because there's a lot of things that are happening, trends that are happening in the environment where they're maybe not as tested or aren't tested in your industry. And so it's important to, to keep that in mind as well. If you're a service agency like ours, you're providing professional services, availability is a huge issue. So how do you provide that without people physically there or available at certain times during your business hours? And then also like a fairness issue, right? If there's certain positions where it's easier to be flexible and others where you physically need someone there or they need to be there for a certain period of time, it could introduce some resentment in the workplace of why does this person get that and I don't? So a lot of good conversations around mm -hmm. that. Do you hear that employers are worried that if we do something like this and it goes sideways or our customers are suffering or we're have people that are really being unproductive that once we give it, we can't take it back? Is that part of some of these conversations too? Definitely. I think there's like a can't look back type of mentality. And part of that, I think, stems from what we saw in the pandemic of all of a sudden, a lot of workplaces had to go remote. They didn't have a choice in the matter and they had to figure out how to make that work. And most of them did. And now a lot of employees want to continue working remotely. And so there's this sense that I can't take that back now, even if it's not what's best for the business. So I think there's ways that you can get around that in terms of how you roll out of a new approach, if it's a trial period or something that you want the flexibility as the employer to be able to walk back if it doesn't work. You can tee that up with the communication and how you roll it out versus here's how this is going to go and then not really giving people the idea that it could change later. 
I like that idea. Are there other ways that these organizations can work to effectively introduce some type of flexible work arrangements without having this negative impact on productivity? Yeah, I think it really depends on the industry, right? So you have to think about what works for you and your workplace, really understand what are those key needs that you need to be met by employees and what positions that applies to. And then you also want to look at all the implications that you possibly can. We're not going to be able to predict every single thing, but really taking your time to prepare, not having a knee-jerk reaction to a request, for instance, for one type of flexible work arrangement. It's important that you're thinking about what's going to work. And then having clear guidelines and expectations for people of what does this mean? What happens if, you know, the work isn't getting done? So setting some clear metrics or KPIs for people of what do we mean when we say the work done, right? Is it a certain metric that has to be met? And if it's not, is the expectation that that the employee is engaging in additional work or additional time or whatever inside of that flexible work arrangement? So I think those are some things that would help. But it is important to really balance that culture of trust inside of that, too. So if we're coming into it with this apprehension and this skepticism, like this isn't going to work or nobody's going to be doing their jobs and we're going to have to track everything and everybody it's probably not going to work very well because people are going to sense that you don't trust them to get the work done. With flexible work arrangements, we really need to have a high level of trust inside of the organization to make sure that people feel entrusted and accountable within themselves to get the work done. Otherwise, they could, yeah, just stop being engaged mm-hmm. altogether. It's like what what you expected to happen ends up happening. Sounds like With trust being really important, one of the other things that I've heard, too, is just around communication and ensuring there is some connectedness because the flexibility isn't, we're not just talking about remote, right? But that is a can and is a big piece of flexible work arrangements. What are some best practices that you have seen employers implement when they're managing remote or what we're seeing even more of these hybrid teams to make sure that folks stay engaged, that they're connected with their colleagues, with their manager, and to the company culture? Yeah, I think it's a good question. And there was an interesting study that Mercer did recently where they measured happiness levels of different types of workers. So fully in-person workers, fully remote, and then the hybrid, and found that hybrid workers are the happiest. And so I thought that was really interesting in terms of, because sometimes what we hear is people feeling like They really liked when everything was fully remote, but Mm -hmm. that balance of some of the engagement is important. So I think it's being really intentional about what are we doing in person? So if you have a hybrid work environment, are we saying that you have to be in the office two days because that's what we're comfortable with? Or are there things that actually benefit everyone to be engaged in person on those two days? I think you'll get a lot more buy-in if there's a clear purpose as to those in-person expectations and engagement. Technology is huge, right? So making sure that everybody has the right setup if they are working remotely for even just a portion of their work. What are the expectations in terms of how they show up in on technology if they're in a chat or in a video call, things like that. So clear expectations there. Regular check-ins with your team. So if you're a leader, making sure that you're checking in on folks from a well-being standpoint as well as the work standpoint is really important in a hybrid or remote environment. And then 
making sure that we're just doing what we would normally do, making sure people are getting their professional development and other opportunities for advancement inside of their career. That's awesome. Those are great suggestions. Do you have any really successful examples that companies have done, either clients that you've worked with or organizations that you know of that have implemented flexible work arrangements and seen changes in terms of their employee retention and engagement and what that's done for the organization? Yeah, I think you can Google four-day work week. That is a hot (laughs) topic right now. And there's tons of studies where companies have implemented a four-day work week. And what that means is essentially five days of work or whatever we normally do in five days in four days. So not the same number of hours worked, but actually a reduction in your schedule. So if you typically work eight-hour days, that would go from 40 hours to 32 hours. Your pay stays the same. So that's one that is trending pretty heavily right now. And there are some really cool studies about how that engages employees their happiness levels go up, their productivity increases. So just pretty amazing, like in a shorter amount of time, they're getting more done. So that I think is what's really compelling for a lot of employers who are considering the four-day work week is actually it's really a win-win. It doesn't work for every industry or we haven't seen it play out in every industry yet. So it's important to do research on that. Another one that I thought was really cool I read about was CVS has what they call a snowbird policy, which means that their pharmacists can go to Florida or other warmer states during the winter to work. So it's like a nice. a, a way to, to escape the snow or the colder weather. And I thought that was a really creative, you think of a pharmacist, they have to be in the pharmacy doing the stuff, right? So it's not something that you could probably do remotely. So I thought that was a creative solution for that. Another one I've heard of that I hadn't heard of, but just recently was the nine day fortnight, which is basically a version of that four day work week, but it's a nine day two two week period. So every other week would be a four day work week. So for employers who are nervous to try a full on four day Mm -hmm. work week, the nine day fortnight could be a way to ease into it, see how it's going Mm -hmm. and test it out like we talked about before. I like that. I have not heard. I had not heard about that until now. So some of our listeners, business owners may be cringing a little bit, right? Thinking about, oh my gosh, I'm going to pay somebody for working 40 hours a week, but they're only going to work 32. And that makes me uncomfortable. But there's all this data out there that shows that this, along with other types of flexibility, really Mm -hmm. does increase retention and employee engagement. So employers want to know How is this going to affect my bottom line? How do I measure the success of a program like this? What are some of the ways that you might see an employer actually looking at measuring the success of a program Mm -hmm. like this and whether or not it's working? Yeah. I think before we even get to implementing a program, we've got to survey our team and understand if the flexibility that we're considering even appeals to our body of employees. Because there could be lots of trendy things happening out there, but if it doesn't meet the unique needs of your employees, it's probably not going to work very well. So that's important. And then that also provides a data point of when you do implement something, you can measure engagement levels and satisfaction and things like that. So surveys are great, pulse checks and frequent check-ins with your team during one-on-ones, as well as if you have customers or clients 
getting their input on their satisfaction and measuring that as well, which you may already have components that you do that with. And so it's making sure that you're comparing results from before you made the change to shortly after. And you want to give things some time to really play out. So Mm -hmm. it's there's going to be some kinks along the way. So making sure that you have a clear sense of what's the period we're willing to give this a try before we need to pivot and what are the things that we'll do along the way to make sure that we're making adjustments as we need to versus just rolling it out and then letting it go from there. I think that you'd want to think about your business cycle too. So if your business is seasonal, if there are certain periods during the year where it's busier, you want to at least run the pilot program through that busy season. Maybe a 12-month period makes sense, I would think, Mm -hmm. for most businesses. 12 months is probably a pretty good range of time. Mm -hmm. And then looking back, like you said, and evaluating how's this working and pivoting because hopefully you've told them in the beginning, right, that this is a test and we're going to adjust as we need to based on the Mm -hmm. feedback from the business and from employees. Yeah, continuing to get that feedback from both sides is going to be really important. So we can't talk about flexible work arrangements and talk to an HR professional without talking about legal considerations. So I'm curious with your HR hat on, any legal considerations that our listeners and clients should be thinking about when they're considering programs like this? Yeah, there there are several. So depending on how many states you're in or what states you're in, there could be different things that you do need to consider from a compliance standpoint. Some states, California is one, do have requirements around schedule change notifications. So even if you are providing more flexibility, it's a benefit to the employee, there still might be a process that you have to go through in order to make that live and be compliant. So that's one thing. Another is with when we're talking about hybrid or remote arrangements, a lot of employees start getting interested in moving to a different state, whether Mm -hmm. it's closer to family or to a different climate or live somewhere they've always wanted to live. And if you're not set up in that state as an employer, there's quite a few things you need to do to get set up. And so you really need to make a decision as a business as to whether how many states are we willing to open up to? Are we willing to just have one-off employees in different states? I will say that a lot of employers are doing that now. So Mm -hmm. if you don't want to do that, it could be a retention issue for certain employees. But it There's a lot to consider there just from compliance and regulatory standpoint. You also want to be looking at non-exempt employees. So Mm. if we're having any kind of schedule flexibility or flexing certain hours and shifts, that can be different for non-exempt employees because you typically have a 40-hour work week before you, you get into overtime. And there needs to be like a seven day period, right? Where we're working those hours. And so Flexing across those work weeks can create issues for non-exempt, for compliance for non-exempt employees. Interesting. It's also difficult to, how do you, from a payroll standpoint, implement that? If you're reducing the work week, but you're keeping their salary, how do you do that? Or their wage, how do you do that Mm -hmm. to make sure that we're meeting our compliance requirements from a wage and hour perspective, but we're also extending that flexibility. And then for some employers might be looking at not a, a reduced work schedule, but they might be allowing people to work like four tens or three twelves or things like that. And we just need to be mindful of different state requirements for meal and rest periods for your non-exempt employees. And then there's also some pretty tricky things that need to be thought out before you roll it out to employees around your policies. So 
holidays, what happens if a holiday falls on a day that somebody's not scheduled to work in this new flexible schedule. PTO, how many hours do we assign a day off if somebody's working flexible hours throughout a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. So there's different policies that could be impacted by a decision to to go to more flexibility. And then there's also equity. We talked about this already, but just if we're not offering the same type of flexibility to all employees, making sure that we're paying attention to that and how that could negatively impact certain groups of our employees. It's a lot to consider. I can see why some employers are not too quick to jump on with implementing this quickly. So important to to think through those things. When you think about how if an employer is, they've gone through that checklist that you went through and they've determined we're set up to do this, we're good to go. How do you talk with your clients about communicating with their employees, their commitment to this flexibility? What's that look like? And how could they use that in their employer branding and recruiting strategies? Yeah, that's a great point. So I think we definitely want to, like I said, if we've got that data from our employees, we've heard from employees and we're using that information to implement new flexibility, we definitely want to highlight that to employees, right? We heard you and here's what we're doing with that information. That's key. The other piece of it is making sure that we're giving people enough runway, right? So we don't want to announce this overnight because there's going to be questions that we didn't think of. We want to be clear about those guidelines and expectation around flexibility, around communication with your team, with your managers, how to handle certain situations that could come up depending on your business and the things that you have thought of. We want to talk through those and make sure everyone feels prepared. So then from a branding perspective, recruiting, this is huge. If you have implemented something where, let's say there's a reduced work schedule or some type of major flexibility to work 100% remotely, we are seeing people leave organizations to go work somewhere where this is in place, right? So if you are one of those organizations, you should be highlighting that at the top Mm -hmm. of your job postings and really tying that to the rest of your culture. So ideally, we aren't doing this in a vacuum. Ideally, we have a great workplace culture where we have good communication, we have great relationships, and employees are supported holistically, so not just from the flexibility standpoint. So we can tie that, really highlight what we offer as a business, not just from this flexibility standpoint, but from our culture as well. Some employers will have a whole page on their website dedicated to, this is what it's like to work here. So that's something that you could highlight on there, but it helps paint a bigger picture as well. I love that. I feel like, so it's not, it's not just about taking care of the existing employees that you have, but making a stance around these are, this is who we are and trying to get those folks to want to come and join your team too. Absolutely. I think we've heard um, that when companies have rolled out some of this and they put it in postings that their, their applicants their number of applicants increases. Be prepared for that as well. But it's something that is cool to highlight, if, depending on your business, just even for your clients or your customers to know that this, this is how we treat our employees. We give them this great benefit and we thank you for your support and enabling us to do this and provide this work environment for our yeah. folks. When you think about the future of work and flexibility, how do you see this playing a role in shaping employee retention as we march into the future. Yeah, this is, I think this is one of those things, and we've talked about this before, where we can't really walk back to before the pandemic. So 
it's how quickly are you able to adapt in the workforce right now. And that does depend on your industry. But if you're in an industry that you've proven over over the course of the pandemic that you can work with some flexibility, really would encourage you to think hard about continuing that on and just working on that like acceptance almost of this is where we are now, right? Like we are living in a different world than we were three years ago. And people are expecting more of their workplaces. They're They're asking for more. So we need to get comfortable with having those conversations. We need to be comfortable with initiating those conversations and be prepared for, I think, a real continuance in the direction of hybrid work, if not even more remote work. But that flexibility is key right up there with compensation, which didn't always used to be one of the top factors that people were talking about. Now it is. So we have that alongside of flexibility. And some some employers don't have a lot of flexibility with the comp side of things, just given their budget and financial situation. And so flexibility is one of those ways that we can compensate for that is here's mm-hmm. what we can do for you outside of comp- compensation or your salary. I do think we talked about the variety that hybrid work offers and the benefits that offers to both employers and employees. So I think we'll continue probably seeing quite a bit of that. I haven't seen as many of our clients getting rid of their lease and, and leaving the workplace altogether, but we are seeing a lot of just one day a week in the office or whenever you feel like it come into the office kind of work for folks that don't have to physically be present to do the job. That's great. If you had to summarize one, one thing that you think employers should be thinking about when it comes to workplace flexibility, how would you sum all this great stuff up? I think the thing I would say is it's good to to look at the information that's out there. It's good to be informed about the trends, but you really do need to take a custom approach to your workplace and you need to be flexible in terms of how you roll that out and what's working, what's not, and being able to adjust as necessary. The needs of your employees can change over time. So thinking of it as a static approach that we're in this this way of working forever probably isn't going to, you know, support employees long term. Mm -hmm. So it's thinking about where we are now, what makes sense for now, and where is the direction that we could potentially need to go and pivot longer term. Keeping those conversations open is huge. And then listening also to your exit interviews, right? So why are people leaving? Not just what do people who are here want, but why are people leaving? can give you some really good insight into what might be effective for flexibility in your workplace. That's awesome. Thank you so much. This has been great. appreciate you taking the time to come on to the podcast. And if folks have additional questions, I know they can find you on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'll be there. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.